Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. I'm pretty good in NBA 2K. Pretty good in Madden. Fortnite. Uh, Call of Duty. Not quite good in those games. What's up? It's EJ Stewart. Executive producer of Maggie and Perloff, filling in for Maggie Gray and Andrew Perloff here on this President's Day. Number to call in 855 212 4227. That is 855 212 4 CBS. NBA All Star Weekend is always important as well because usually some news will get made throughout the week. And LeBron James had some very important, very interesting things to say. He sometimes is called LeBron, he is sometimes called LeCap. I think. Some of the LeCap Bron James showed up at the podium when he talked about his future in the NBA. And before we get to that, I want to get to more of your phone calls. A lot of people want to get into this. We've been talking about the NBA All-Star Game, All-Star Weekend, the future itself. Because last night, and really the whole weekend, was ass. There's no other way to describe it. It was ass. You had a skills competition that was took, felt like it took three hours. Okay, it was <laughs> that no one could follow what was going on or who was winning or who was losing. It, it was terrible. We had three board contests that was great that then got ruined by commentary that was inappropriate and at times ignorant. And then a dunk contest that was trying to be rigged for the worst competitor involved. And then that was only the precursor to an all-star game where we watched the glorified layup line and guys take chances, take turns, you know, doing half-court shots. And... We talk about the future of the game and whether or not it can be saved. I think it can be saved, and I've given you my three ways to save All-Star Weekend. But beyond that, it needs to be saved. It needs to be saved because NBA All-Star Weekend is too interwoven with the fabric of NBA All-Star Weekend. Hell, I'm watching ESPN right now. ESPN's on the TV screen here in our CBS uh, studios in New York City. And SportsCenter is on. And what are they showing? As soon as I talked about... In uh, the All-Star game being interwoven with the fabric of the NBA and its lore, I see Michael Jordan jump from the free throw line in the 88. Like, it, you, you can't you can't divorce the two. The, the Pro Bowl, NFL had the luxury to say, look, nobody, there's nothing about the Pro Bowl that is anywhere in, important to our identity as a, as a sport and as a league. So that can go away and nobody cares. The NBA does not have that luxury. So the, the NBA needs to be saved in terms of this all-star game because we could talk about, look, there's all this money, there's all these endorsements, there's all these corporate deals. Like, what's the big deal that the all-star game stinks? I'll tell you why. Because the NBA probably had its largest audience it had all year for this all-star game, and a lot of people saw that after leaving the Super Bowl and said, this is what the NBA has to offer. I heard that this was a great regular season. I heard that we got new stars. I heard that we got competitive basketball happening. We're getting to the playoff push. This is the first thing they see after the Super Bowl. You don't think people are going to watch that and say, you know what, I'll wait till baseball season. You know what, I'll just wait till the combine, which I think is actually next week. I'll wait till the NFL draft. I'll just kind of get back to doing whatever I do. Or like I said, the competition for your attention is at an all-time high. They can just turn on Netflix and watch Love is Blind like I did last night. It was glorious. It was fun. It was messy. 
had a great time watching it. It was so good, I was willing to miss the beginning of the All-Star game for it. There's too much competition for your attention for the NBA to think that this could just, they could put on the crap fest that happened last night and think that nothing's going to happen. Because boxing thought they could put on whatever, rig whatever matches, make you pay $100 for a pay-per-view, and that they could just remain the, the number one sport in America. And guess what? That didn't last very long. Major League Baseball thought that they could just ignore the fans, ignore what people were saying were problems with the game, go on strike for a, uh, half a season, not play a World Series, and thought, well, it's fine. We'll be fine. It's Nobody's going to care. It's Major League Baseball. We're, America, we're America's pastime. What's anybody going to do about it? Well, they'll, they'll stop watching. That's, what, that's exactly what they'll do. So the NBA better be careful. They're playing a very dangerous game. And, yes, the NBA All-Star game has to be saved. There is no, well, who cares about it or it doesn't matter. No. You don't have the the opportunity. You don't have the luxury of having the most watched event that you put on every year and saying that it doesn't matter if it's uh, an enjoyable event for the fans. You don't have that luxury. You're not the NFL. 855-212-4CBS. Let's go to Daryl. Who's in California? Once again, in on this NBA All Star conversation. What's up, Daryl? You're on the fan with EJ hey. Stewart. I mean, excuse me, you're on CBS Sports Radio with EJ Stewart. Hey, um, good morning, EJ. How you doing? Man? I'm doing. I'm doing great. Um, my point about the um, the uh, All Star game is, I know you know, I'm, I'm I was born in the '60s, and we used to basically run home to watch the All Star game because it was it was new to us then. But in this day and age. I hear you mention about a, a 12-year-old's um, view of it uh, earlier. Mm-hmm. It's been done to death, you know. And with social media, they they've seen everything. They, they've seen everything from – they can go on YouTube and see Mike, what Michael Jordan did, Vince Carter did. And today, it's so much distractions from the game. Everything is around the swag of the player, the way they dress. You know, the kids are probably more interested in a, in a, um, a capping on each other contest, you know, talking mess about each other these days. Their, their, their mind is, like, totally somewhere else. So I can see them not really being interested in what's going on. I got kids that play basketball, and when I show them the old videos, they're like, of Michael Jordan, they're like, oh, yeah, that's, that's cool, you know. And when I was a kid, I would have went off. I'd have been like, wow, you know, but today is just different, bro. <laughs> I hear you, Daryl. Thank you so much for the phone call. I love the way you finished that. Today is just different, bro. Look, I mean, he's right. There's there's no question today is a different day. And kids' attention spans <laughs> you want to talk about kids' attention spans. I mean, in the sixties they were kids, so they were they were attention spans were low too. But now again, with you know, tablets and smartphones in our hands, like their attention spans are as smart as as short as ever. In fact, one of the interesting things I think I, I heard from Adam Silver, not this weekend, but in previous uh, comments he made maybe a couple years ago was he talked about how you know NBA ratings have kind of been up and down for the last I don't know six seven years some people say oh it's been going down well if you compare it to 1999 yes it's down but sorry Michael Jordan's not playing anymore things changed also there's a uh, 5,000 channels and smartphones you can't really compare ratings from the 90s and early 2000s to today it just doesn't it's not a one-for-one comparison again the NFL is a unicorn so I'm not really concerned about ratings being down. I think more it's more important to see what the ratings have been in the smartphone uh, high-speed internet era. And essentially, we've seen big swings up and down. Warriors era was really good with LeBron and, and facing the Warriors every year. Then it kind of had a dip. And last season's NBA Finals actually did really well compared to years past. And this this regular season has done well compared to 
years past. But one of the things Adam Silver said that I thought was interesting was what they're finding is that NBA, the NBA's young audience, which it has a very large young audience, they don't really enjoy watching NBA games. <laughs> like if you look at M- the NBA's engagement on social media and the views they're able to, to uh, you know, attain on social media, and then when they, I guess, do studies and do focus groups on their audience, what they have found is that the NBA's younger audience like basketball. They like playing it. They like watching it on, on you know, in, in YouTube clips and Twitter clips and TikTok. And they love playing NBA 2K and going to the, the My 2K Park and, and getting their fresh kicks and playing somebody online. Like, they like the NBA and basketball itself, but they don't like watching games. So Adam Silver, is, and he says, commissioner, one of his challenges is how to get this young audience that is definitely invested in the NBA to watch games. So to Daryl's point, the game has changed, no pun intended, and, and the way kids think about the sport has changed, and they got to find a way to, to move with the changing times. I don't know if if to say that you like you know well you know Daryl said you know him growing up running to see Michael Jordan jump from the free throw line these guys like that was something that he had to see. I don't know if it's because the fact that a, a kid could just pull up his phone a second after Jalen Brown fails at his D Brown attempt and see it on social media that hurts the NBA. But I do think if you put an experience on television that is much CTV that you will find the people and that people will find you. Like I said at the beginning, there are two ways if you're putting on any kind of spectacle to make yourself worthwhile. You have to either be can't miss and or grab the youth. The NBA actually has the youth, but they, they're not doing anything that's can't miss, which is a problem. And it doesn't help keeping the youth when you're putting your all-star game on at 840 Easter. That doesn't help anybody. So the NBA has a lot of work to do. I think they're... A ways to do it, again, Daryl mentioning that he used to run home. He could run home because guess what? The NBA All-Star game back in the day was on at 3 p.m. on a on a Sunday afternoon or a Saturday night or Saturday afternoon. It was not being played at 8.40, almost 9 o'clock. These were afternoon events. When I watched Kobe versus Michael in 98 at Madison Square Garden, that was an afternoon game. I went to my grandparents' house. I remember it like it was yesterday. It was I wasn't there till 11 o'clock at night waiting to see who was going to win the game. 855-212-4227. We got one more caller in here. Let's get to Joe, who's in Rhode Island. What's up, Joe? You're on CBS Sports Radio with EJ. Good morning. Good morning. I got to say, the NBA, as far as quality, has, has gone down dramatically. When you don't play defense and all you do is shoot threes, that equals poor quality. And not to mention, the NBA's got to change their name to Prima Donna League. Okay, these guys are all prima donnas. All they want to do is be, you know, be appointed. Oh, I'm an NBA officer. So I'm going to go hang out with the cool, with the cool kids for the weekend. You know, like the kids that, like the kids in high school, the jocks, the jocks hang around with the jocks, and they let the poor kids that that are on the team, the kids that that are not as good as them, you know, can't hang out with us this weekend. That that's what it's, that's what the NBA is all about. Is who's who's wearing what and. Uh, who's making what? Uh, these guys are so soft. I mean, I've been a long-time NBA fan. I've been a long-time die-hard Celtics fan from the late seventies, early eighties. Well, I can tell. I, I can tell. I can tell that New England accent, Joe. <laughs> I, I, I'm just saying, man. I, I'm just saying that the NBA. I, I can't. Wa- I would rather have 
fans write a letter in the league, like so they can meet the like the the idol, like uh, LeBron, and have those guys spend time sign autographs to everybody that gets a ticket, as opposed to playing the game. Like I, I would rather see everybody sit down at a table, all these all stars, and just have the 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 fans who admire these guys talk to them. Dribble a ball with, I don't know, something more interactive with the fans that actually played the, the game because it is hard for me to watch that last night. And Jalen Brown, if you're listening, you bump, you sit down on Friday's game so you can rest up for the slam dunk contest which you lost, by the way. All right? You didn't play for us so you can go hang out with the big guy. Like, come on, what is the NBA? This is just a joke. And LeBron James, somebody's got to tell him to stop dunking because he can't even jump anymore. And I get it. The guy's 40 years old. He's still doing his thing. But LeBron, stick to the layup, buddy. Forget about the dunks. It's one of those dunks that I saw last night. You barely dunked. You actually rubbed the ball up against the rim and slammed it. I could jump higher than you. And I weigh 300 pounds, man. I, honest to God, some, the NBA quality right now, it is bad. These guys... The contracts are too big. This is what happens. When you give these guys all this money, they forget where they come from. They forget their work. You, know, you hear them all, I work hard. No, you don't. You don't need to work hard. If I wake up and I got $100 million in the bank, you think I'm going to go work hard? Really? They're a joke. These guys are a joke now, man. That's all jo- I got for you. Joe, thank you much for the phone call, man. Man, you want to talk about bringing the heat. Joe had a lot to get off his chest. I, I knew that. I knew that. I knew where that call was going as soon as he was like, you know, one thing for Jalen Brown, you bum. So it's funny. This as as dope as the music Carl's put underneath that was, and that probably honestly that is Boston's ether. Like you might, I might as well have been the ether beat really, because Joe from Rhode Island was going off as soon as he said call Jalen Brown a bum. I was like, oh man, he's really he's really hot. But look, I think there's one thing that Joe said in there that was important. And I don't know if it's the answer is these guys having more interactions with the fans. Because, quite frankly, the fans are, are pretty terrible in America. <laughs> like, the amount of crap these guys get from, from fans on a, on a day-to-day basis on social media and the harassment they get is, you know, you'd be surprised how bad it is. But he talked about guys sitting out as often as they do. And I do think one thing that's important to remember is that the NBA teams are just as much a problem, if not more of a problem, than these players. Because the teams that are making the decision to have guys sit most of the time, not the players. The players aren't going to their, you know, head coach say, hey, man, I need a day off. Like, that doesn't happen nearly as much as you think. But it's the NBA teams that have decided through their own studies and through their own thought process that guys playing less games mean they'll be more, means they'll be more healthy and more fresh for the playoff push and for, a, you know, a run at a championship. But... I go back to what uh, Joe said about, you know, the players need to think about the fans more and maybe interactions would help. I will say this. You know, Michael Jordan, you look at his career, you'll see a lot of seasons where he played 82, 81, 80 games. Like, there weren't too many years where Jordan was missing long stretches of the season for injury or for rest, okay? I mean, Jordan played at least 80 games in one, two, three, four, five. Six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven of his fifteen seasons, and then there were 
well, there's one season where he played 78. So this is not a guy that was sitting there resting games every every you know two weeks. And one of the things Jordan always said, because they'd ask him, you know, why is it important for you to play all 82? Because that's also something he did, it looks like, like four or five times, at least in his career. And he said, it's important for me to play all 82 because there is always one kid in that crowd who his parents or their parents could be girl or boy, their parents paid X amount of money and saved up X amount of money and drove X amount of miles to come watch me play. And it's an obligation for me being the face of this league to make sure that that kid gets the experience that he's supposed to have when I travel to Utah or Seattle or Detroit or Miami, that that kid that's never seen me play gets to see that up close and personal in, in life. And I think that is completely lost on this generation of player. Because what we have now are players like Kevin Durant, who instead of wanting to actually embrace the fans, he wants to go on social media and t- tell us how much how stupid we are, how we don't know anything about basketball, and how he's tired of how we always bother him. Like the 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 difference in the fan player relationship is so stark right now where you had the best player of his generation saying it's important for me to make sure I'm there for the fans every night because the fans are paying to watch me play. It's important for those little kids to come out to see me play. Then you got the stars of today. They're at war with the fans. It seems like every day. I'm not saying it's a one-sided war. I'm not saying it's all the the fans fault or the the players fault, but that mindset is completely lost. That's why I call this the corniest group of all-stars we've ever seen because these guys are so scared of getting a twisting ankle. They're so scared of losing a dunk contest. Like, they're scared of the stupidest stuff you could ever think about. Like, who in their right mind cares if you lose a dunk contest? You know me, dunk contest, Clyde Drexler lost? He was in the dunk contest, like, every year in the 80s. Like, I know we always talk about only, you know, Mike and Dominique and Spud. We only talk about the guys that won. Guess what? There were, like, six other guys every year that were in every year that kept losing. But they weren't worried about their brand or fans getting on them on Twitter or social media. They didn't care. They just want to go out there, compete, put on a show for the fans, and have a good time. But the players today are so scared. They're scared of their own shadow. The idea that if you play a lick of defense, you may twist a knee, and therefore you won't be able to play the rest of the season. I've never seen guys so scared in my life. Because the excuses about why we can't get a more competitive game are BS. They're so meaningless. In fact, you're more likely to get hurt messing around on a basketball court, not playing full speed, not going through your normal routine. You're more likely to get hurt playing like that, the way they did last night, than you are if you actually went out there and gave 75% effort. Because your body is not meant to go full tilt for a full season and then midway through the season and some random week and decide I'm going to go 20% and not take the game seriously. They're putting themselves more at risk playing the way they're playing. But the problem is, like, the guys I grew up watching, these guys were legends. These guys were truly uh, – actually, Carlos, can we play that Larry uh, – can, can we play the Larry Bird sound again? I want you to hear from Larry Bird. He's, you know, basically he could run for governor in Indiana, probably win with 90% of the vote. He's Mr. Indiana. And he spoke about what he hoped to see from the All-Star game last night. The one thing I would really like to see is they play hard tonight in this, uh, uh, tonight in this All-Star game. I think it's very important 
When you have the best, the best players in the world together, you got to compete and you got to play hard and you got to show the fans how good they really are. Sorry, no, you don't. No, you don't, Larry. That's what the fa- that's what the players are saying. No, we don't. Nah, I'm good. They, <laughs> the, the, the players did to Larry Bird what Jamar Chase did to me last week. When I went up to Lamar, Jamar Chase and said, hey, dude, I'm a big fan. Can I get a picture of you? And he just said, nah, I'm good. Went right into his uh, restaurant that he was going into. That's essentially what these NBA players did to Larry Bird. Now, look, Jamar Chase doing that to me, that's fine. I'm a nobody. He don't know who I am. I could have been a crazy person. Like, whatever. I don't feel bad about the Jamar Chase experience. Though it is a funny one. That he looked up, looked me up, looked me up and down and said, nah, I'm good. That was what the NBA players did to Larry Bird. The audacity of these dudes. Like, Jamar Chase doing that to me is fine. Those players heard Larry Bird say that in NBA All-Star Weekend. The importance of showing the fans that these are the best players in the world and putting on a show for the fans and showing that when you collect the best players in the NBA that you get a great experience. The NBA players looked at Larry Bird and said, nah, I'm good. And the Edwards said, let me shoot another left-handed three. You know, Cole Yoke said, let me travel five more times, run another court. You know, Luka Doncic, let me throw another three, three-quarter three court shot. See if this goes in, Larry. How dare you, Larry? You don't know what I go through? You don't know the 500 idiots on Twitter that, that, that message me every day telling me I suck? This is for them. It's a shame. It's a real shame. 855-212-4CBS. Coming up, LeBron James says, Time is running out. But he might not tell us when he leaves. Is that possible? We'll, we'll talk about it. 855-212-4CBS. This is EJ Stewart filling in for Maggie and Perloff. We'll be right back. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Even though what we do is wrong, 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 wrong. Oh, my God. I'm sorry, guys. I ain't talking about chicken and gravy. (laughs) Oh, man. People are like, EJ singing again? Oh, no. Last time that happened, that didn't go well. My uh, Sweet Caroline rendition where I did not know the beginning of the words of the song. Our guy Sully was like, bro, that was the worst Boston accent of all time. Yeah, that didn't go well, but I'm sorry. I had to. Shout out to Freeway. Shout out to rock old school Rockefeller there. It's EJ Stewart filling in for Maggie and Andrew here on the Maggie and Perloff show. Number to call in, 855-212-4227. Real quickly, let's get to Phil, who's in North Carolina. What's up, Phil? You're on uh, CBS Plus Radio with EJ. Thank you, EJ. Happy President's Day. Hey, thank you. Happy President's Day to you, too. What's happening? Look, I I agree with you on the NBA All-Star Game. It's becoming a mess, but we also have to talk about something here at the NBA. I don't think people are talking about this. I think it's five teams now have a winning percentage of less than 300. Five teams. I mean, I know it's a superstar-driven league, and I know you're trying to become a national brand with some of these teams, 
But that 16%, I believe, or around that, of your teams are a joke. I mean, is, there, is that not an issue? Is competitive balance, you know, we, we talk about this with these other leagues. Is that not a thing? It's a good question, Phil. Thank you so much for the phone call. I don't – it doesn't bother me quite as much um, because I think what we've seen, though, is while, yes, you have, you know, the Wizards, Pistons, uh, Blazers, Spurs, and I believe those are the four – those are the four teams, I believe. Oh, and the Hornets you can throw in there, too. Those are all teams that have less than 30% winning percentages, and it's not great. They're all most of them are also small markets, so that doesn't help either. But again, to go back to what I said earlier, this is actually one of the most competitive regular seasons we've had in a long time. I mean, if you look watch the Eastern Conference, basically two through six are basically like indiscernible. There's only a five and a half game difference between all those teams. Uh the the Boston Celtics are awesome and they're killing everybody. But the rest of the Eastern Conference has been pretty much a crapshoot, which I think is great. Because you're gonna see a push to stay out of the play in late in the season. I think you're going to see a strong push for seeding once we get to the end of the season as well. Western Conference, same deal. You know, you got two new teams at the top with OKC and Minnesota having great seasons. But then you got a lot of parity after that. Clippers are really good. Nuggets are good. Suns have figured it out. Pelicans have, you know, kind of under the radar played really good basketball. Dallas kind of under the radar played really good basketball. They've won six straight games. The Kings are still really good, even though they fall into seventh place after last year's kind of magical season. And then you still got the Lakers and Warriors still hanging around in the mix. Like, I don't think that the competitive balance is the issue. You do have a lot of really bad teams, but it's only five teams. And if you turn on an NBA game on most nights, you're going to get two teams that are somewhat in the playoff race, which is really all you can ask for. You know, if you just you know ignore the Pistons, Blazers, Hornets, and Wizards, you you'll be, you know what? Even though the Spurs stink, they have Wimby, so they're not a terrible watch. So I don't know if that's really the problem. I don't have a problem with that as much. I have more of a problem Um with a lot of other things, I think that the lack of guys playing as many games as we want, that's a little bit more of a problem. I think the fact that there are a lot – look, if I was the NBA commissioner, there would be a lot of things that are changing. I know I've given you my three-point plan of how to fix All-Star Weekend to go over it quickly. That includes, number one, uh, including WNBA stars in the three-point contest because the Sabrina-Steph shootout was the best thing we had all weekend. Number two, $5 million for the win of the slam dunk contest in order to attract – star players and the elite dunkers to actually do the slam dunk contest. And number three, I put home field advantage in the NBA finals on the line in order to make the NBA all-star players care about what's happening in the game. Cause all I hear is that it's an exhibition and you know, they'll give you every excuse, you know, in the world as to why they can't play hard. All right, well make the game serious, make the game mean something. And then I think you'll have the guys play hard. One quick thing I want to get to before we get to our guy, Pete McCarthy, this update, and it involves LeBron James. So LeBron James, he spoke, uh, he he was, it was very odd. He he wasn't around on Friday or Saturday, which maybe tells you a lot about what he thinks about All-Star Weekend. This is a guy who used to be kind of like the mayor of All-Star Weekend, and now he, you can't even find him. He shows you how much he cares about this. Maybe he wanted to see Bronny play. I know Bronny had a game on Saturday. That could have been it. But either way, LeBron was nowhere to be found. No explanation as to why he wasn't around. But typically, that's when Saturday they have a practice. Uh, the players have a, a pretty big media availability. LeBron, of course, being one of the biggest star, the biggest star in the NBA, he has a big you know press conference. So he didn't do any of that Friday or Saturday. He did do it on Sunday, and who we didn't know where the thing was going to go. We've heard a lot about this Warriors thing, which he did talk about a little bit. Um, he said that he didn't know that the Warriors were going after him. There's 100 percent chance that's not true. <laughs> but like uh, we didn't know where the tenor of the of the press conference was going to go, and it went in a way that I don't think 
a lot of people expected. Here was LeBron James when asked how much longer he's going to be playing in the NBA. Um, I have not mapped out how many seasons I have left. Um, I know it's not that many. Not that many. Now you can say, okay, well, he's you know going to be 40 years old. Like, Of course he doesn't have that, much, that many you know, NBA seasons left. But I think what makes it so stark to hear that from him is, like, he's still great. Like, he's still one of the top, I think, being conservative, one of the top 15 players in the NBA. He's probably one of the top 10 guys in the NBA still. So for him to say, in terms of how many more seasons he he has left, not that many. Remember, most great NBA players, we talk about how many seasons they have left, and we say not that many. It's because their play has diminished so much. And their injuries have increased so much that there's no way they can continue to play. Like, there was no conversation about how many more seasons Larry Bird had. We, like, he was laying on his back on the sidelines because he couldn't sit in the chair because of how beat up he was, you know? Like, there was no conversation about how many more seasons Mike had by the end in the with the Wizards. We were seeing him limp around with a bad knee for, for half the season. Like, the game had clearly passed those guys by. LeBron is still an elite player. So, for him to say not that much time left, a little surprising. He also said this about whether or not he will do a farewell tour. I wanted to hear about Carlos uh, cut three here. LeBron talking about whether or not he he wants a farewell tour. I'm 50 50. Um, I'm going to be honest because there's times where I feel like I guess I owe it to my fans. That's been along this journey with me for two decades plus to be able to give them that moment. You know, whereas every city and whatever the case may be, and, you know, they give you your flowers or whatever the case may be, you know, and, and that seems cool. <laughs> okay. Seems cool, but he's 50-50 on the idea he did a, he'll do a farewell tour. In fact, he mentioned he made Tim Duncan it, which if you remember Tim Duncan, Tim Duncan was playing in the NBA, his team lost, and we were like, all right, well, I guess we'll be back next year. And then like a week later, we heard Tim Duncan retires. We were like, wait, what? <laughs> you had just disappeared the way Tim Duncan did from the NBA. And, like, look, that was very Tim Duncan of him. Like, Tim Duncan didn't say much, was called the big fundamental. You know, and some people, maybe the big snooze, they thought he was a little boring. So Tim Duncan just playing for, like, 30 years and then deciding, oh, I'm not playing anymore and not telling anybody was very Tim Duncan. That's like very- when your coworker quits. He's like, hey, bro, I'll see you tomorrow. And he just doesn't show up. <laughs> that's, that's basically what Tim Duncan did. Now, I think we would expect that a little bit from Tim Duncan. We're not going to expect that from LeBron James, Okay. Guy who launches his own TV shows every other week, a guy who will get into every single conversation about the health of the game and the health of sports. He he guy can't not stop talking about everything happening in the NBA and where he places in the history of the NBA. Not shy by his place among the greatest of all time. That guy is gonna not tell anybody that he's retiring. He's gonna go into his last season in the NBA, not tell anybody, and then just bounce. There is, there is a better chance that on a second run-through that Jamar Chase, will, Jamar Chase will take a picture with me than LeBron James <laughs> will go a full season knowing it's his last season and will not tell anybody. That's why we got to call him LeCap. Yeah, that, that, that whole thing is Cap. That's why he's LeCap. LeCap James there. LeCap James telling you that he's somehow going to go a whole season not telling anybody he's going to retire is ridiculous. I don't know why he said it. But he does this weird thing sometimes where he kind of wants to show that he's he's a humble guy. And I actually think LeBron is fairly humble for someone as— What? <laughs> I think LeBron is somewhat fairly humble for a guy as great as he is. You know, he's by all accounts a good guy. Like, you know, he's not like a jerk or whatever. So, like, 
he's a pretty humble guy, but he he does these things where like he says these nonsensical things that we know aren't true. With for to kind of prove a point or something. I think this was another example of that. And it, it went on deaf ears. I think nobody believes that. And LeBron James should not do that. Like it doesn't help anybody that LeBron James would play his final year in, in the NBA and not tell anybody, not have a farewell world tour or not. Like that doesn't help the league. The amount of attention that comes with the NBA or to the NBA on a LeBron James farewell tour is massive. He's the guy, only guy we've been talking about for the last 20 years. He owes it to the NBA. Forget the fans. He owes it to the, he owes it to the NBA to have a farewell tour so the NBA can profit and market and capitalize on the career that he's had. So I don't know what LeBron's talking about. I don't really believe him. But I hope he does have a farewell tour. He absolutely needs it. He deserves it. And it's best for the league and best for the sport that he has one. Now, do you remember when Mariano Rivera had his with the Yankees? Where it was like yes. essentially all season long. And then you had like random teams gift them stuff. Like I think the Twins gave him a rocking chair. Yeah, or I remember the rocking like chair from the Twins, yeah. Be, because it's LeBron, do you think people will re, like not want the farewell tour if it lasts all year? Like if it's like the last month and he's like, you know what, I think I'm going to call it quits this last month and you have that stretch, it's fine. Do you think people kill LeBron if he gets the all-season farewell tour? That's a good question. I don't think so. I mean, people will always kill LeBron because LeBron is a lightning rod. So there will be people out there, excluding those folks. I think most people would understand that this guy is one of the most influential and impactful players ever played in the league. Like, I think, I think that whether you're the biggest LeBron hater or not, I think everybody can acknowledge that. So the idea that LeBron would get a farewell tour, like Kobe got a farewell tour, like that, that seems to make sense. I think some of the shenanigans, like this stuff, like lying that you don't want a farewell tour, like some of that stuff gets annoying, but I think once you're in the moment and it's happening, I think most people can embrace it. I think most people really enjoyed that chase for Kareem's record that happened last year. I think that that wasn't a negative, but I think that I think that it would be fine. So representing the Knicks, EJ, what, what would you and the Knicks give LeBron like as his parting gift, thinking that you guys were going to maybe sign him twice, and he's like, "Nah, I'm good." Yeah, if I was the Knicks, I was giving LeBron a parting gift. <laughs> Let me let me get to Pete McCarthy. I gotta think about that one for a little bit. I want to have a good answer for that. Pete McCarthy is uh, with us now. He has uh, headlines. Pete, what's up? Well, are you still dreaming of getting uh, LeBron James on the next? I know. At this point, there was that conversation, right? I'm actually not. I'm, right? actually, I'm actually. I'm like Jamar Chase. I'm like, nah, I'm good. I, I don't need LeBron right oh, okay. now. Okay. Yeah, I know You're a lot of people. Up on it finally. Yeah, he's a little older. I, I think this team has a little bit of a window. I think that if you bring LeBron, he's talking about he don't know how much longer he's playing. Like, I don't. I don't want this to be a one-year kind of thing. So LeBron's going to give you guys a gift. He's going to give you Bronny, and you're going to have to stick with him for yeah, like we'll, five years. Yeah, we'll be stuck with him, right? <laughs> <laughs> well, of course, hey, you had the Warriors rumors at the trade deadline yep. as well. Reportedly something that was shut down on LeBron's end, though he said yesterday he didn't know anything about it until it was public. Uh, okay. Uh, but LeBron <laughs> does seem to want to stick with L.A. He does. He's been a Laker the last six years, and, uh, and hopefully it stays that way. But I don't have the I don't have the answer to how long it is or you know which uniform I'll be in. Hopefully it is with the Lakers. It's a great organization and so many greats. But but we'll see. I don't know how it's going to end, but it's coming. Little wiggle room there at the end, DJ. Yeah, you know he said you know maybe it's in another uniform. Who knows? I, I the one thing I will say that I don't think LeBron is lying about at all. I do think he really enjoys being at least being a Laker, at least being in Los Angeles. Let me say. I think the Laker thing is something he really does relish and he does enjoy. 
But I do think that, like, look, man, it's Hollywood. It's, it's you know, good weather, twenty you know, 365 days a year. It's your kids living in the city. It's the your, best it's, Mexican food you can find. <laughs> I'll tell you why. I think uh, Texas will have a, a, a beef with that. Fair point. But, um, but, no, I mean, I think that there are a lot of things that I think bode well for LeBron James at the stage of his career and his life as to why he really enjoys playing for the Lakers. So, I don't. I believe him that he really wants to be a Laker, and that like if they trade him, it wouldn't be something that he's like looking for. I think, as we saw last year, I think he's going to continue every time they stink to say, "Hey, get rid of half these guys and give me new players, so we can make a run here." But I, I believe him. I, I think that I think that he really wants to remain a Laker. I think he wants to retire a Laker. I think he knows that if he goes to another team and retires in a uniform like Mike did with the Wizards, that that would be bad. He's a student of the game. He knows the history of the game, Mike. Coming back and playing for the Wizards was not good for MJ's legacy. Like I enjoyed it. It was kind of crazy to see, like you know, Michael Jordan playing against you know, like Kobe in his prime. It was very weird. But was it good that Michael? Like I'm watching the clips from his last All Star game this weekend, and I'm seeing Mariah Carey in the beautiful Mariah Carey in the Jordan jersey dress, and she looks fantastic. But the first thing I think is, why the hell is she wearing a wisp? Jersey <laughs> to say sign off Michael Jordan at the end of his career. Like it looks maybe I don't know if the time it looks weird, but it looks nuts now. It looks crazy that she's signing off his career wearing a Wizards jersey. I think LeBron is is mindful of that. Like even if he does go to a team that's a, a contender, if it's you know I, again the Suns, the Warriors, uh, you know it's one of these random teams. It's gonna look weird to see LeBron in that jersey, given he spent so many years playing for so many other teams. And he's going to be expected to win. He's well, not going to be expected to go there, wave uh, his hands, and and play out the final years of his career. He's yeah, he's not Vince he's Carter in his point. point. Right, he's not Vince Carter, and he's not Mike. Like Mike went to to, to yep. the Wizards, and nobody expected him to win anything. We just wanted to see him play. Like he doesn't have that luxury if he changes teams and retiring in that Laker purple and gold. It is. It means a lot. Like that's not a small thing. Like again, if he gets traded to, you know, the Thunder tomorrow. Like that. Yeah, they may compete for a championship, but that does hurt, you know, in terms of just the imaging of, like, what we think of at the end of LeBron's career. That's a problem. He doesn't want that. So I think that's part of the reason why as well. And then from a a league perspective, all this talk about LeBron James, when it's going to end, he's acknowledging it. Commissioner Adam Silver kind of has to look past LeBron and what the league might look like. I thought Silver was interesting. It's just a repeat of history for him. And that question often came up and said, who's going to be the next Michael Jordan? And I remember at the time, David Stern or others were saying, whoever demonstrates on the court that they should be, that's what's so wonderful about the competition and the league. Yeah, who's the next LeBron? It, it takes care of itself, right? I think so. I actually think, and we'll talk about it coming up in the next uh, in the next segment, I, I think LeBron's retirement will actually be really good for the NBA. I think that, there's a lot of reasons why, but one of the main reasons being I think that the NBA in some ways has used him as a crutch when it came to marketing the league. And, like, he's right. Like, when, when Jordan retired, we kept wondering, okay, are, are we going to care about the NBA anymore? And, you know, Kobe Bryant stepped up to the mantle. He had a really big issue in Colorado with the rape case that really kind of messed things up for himself and for the league. But he eventually did take that mantle as being the next guy. And I think that somebody's always going to fall fall in line. It's like the Spider-Man line in the movie. Anybody could wear the mask, you know? Like, anybody could step into that those shoes and be the guy. It's just a matter of who will step up. But as long as LeBron's here, nobody can, can step into that into that shadow. 
That's true. I want to hear more of it. There you go. <laughs> Thank you so much, <laughs> Pete McCarthy. Uh, 855-212-4CBS. And, again, that's a great segue to what we're going to talk about next. LeBron James, again, talking about not knowing how much time he has left, but I really think that it'll be good for the league. It'll be really good for the league, and we'll talk more, more about that after this. ZJ Stewart filling in for Maggie and Perloff on CBS Sports Radio. Hey, Mr. Rager, Mr. Rager, tell me one of your stories. Tell us where you're headed. It's EJ Stewart filling in for Maggie and Perloff here on CBS Sports Radio. Number to call in 855-212-4227. We've been talking plenty about NBA All-Star Weekend. We just talked a little bit about LeBron James here. Him saying that he doesn't know him as long as he has left in the NBA, though he hopes it finishes with the Los Angeles Lakers. And we touched on something a little bit before the break. That I do want to kind of hammer home a little bit uh, as we get to the end of the hour here. I really think that LeBron's retirement, whenever that does happen, will actually be good for the NBA. And you may say, how can you say that? He's the biggest star. He draws the most ratings. He brings the most attention. He makes the most headlines. How will LeBron retiring from the NBA be good for the NBA? Well, I think we get to a certain point when we talk about LeBron's status in the NBA. And it feels like as great as he is, He's kind of just what Jordan did for NBA players in terms of not allowing them to win championships because of his greatness. I think LeBron is doing that same thing when it comes to not allowing guys to become true crossover stars. Like LeBron is such a iconic figure. He's a marketing genius in terms of how he markets himself, how his team markets him. He brings so much attention. His Q rating is just so high. He's so popular He's such a lightning rod as an athlete that there's really no chance for any other NBA players to kind of rival that level of stardom. And I think what happens is we get we've gotten, I think, LeBron fatigue over the last several years, which is why, again, we've kind of had ratings up and down when it comes to uh, LeBron James and when it comes to just the NBA as a whole. I, I think some of the problem is the NBA has been using LeBron James as a crutch. They are unable to market the other stars of the league in part because LeBron James is still around. Like the fact that Steph Curry actually broke through to become a crossover star in the LeBron era is a borderline miracle. And it it, it took him being a revolutionary player for that to happen. And while those post-Michael Jordan years initially when Mike retired were a little rough for the NBA, eventually they found their footing with other star players. Shaq emerged. Kobe especially emerged as the guy. The transcendent player of the generation. And the NBA survived. Post the Jordan era. I'm not as afraid of the post LeBron era. As maybe other fans and other media observers are. I think the NBA has. What we saw last night. Despite how poorly they played. They have some really great young talent. You got. Of course Wembenyama Who. Didn't play last night, was part of All-Star Weekend. That guy's going to be a, a force of nature for the next 10, 15 years. But they got stars, man. You got Luka Doncic. You got, obviously, we have Giannis. We have a young guy like Shea Gildas Alexander. We saw Tyrese Halliburton, who, you know, you want to talk about a guy who really kind of came onto the scene this season, whether it be at the in-season tournament or I think throughout All-Star Weekend, as just being just like a really likable, lovable guy in the NBA. Tyrese Halliburton's a really exciting, fun player. Um, 
NBA has guys. The NBA is not lacking when it comes to other star players to take over the league when it comes to being the face of the NBA. Of course, we have Nicole Jokic, our um, and reigning NBA champion, two-time MVP. Joel Embiid's injured, but he's a great ambassador for the league as well. The NBA has characters. Anthony Edwards is one of the most hilarious guys in the NBA. Talented, can act. Like, the NBA not allowing for anyone else to kind of step in and take over has been a problem. And I think when people complain about where the NBA stands and it's complaints about, well, how come LeBron, these guys are taking every night off? It's like, well, not everybody's doing that. Anthony Edwards doesn't take any nights off. Jay Jay Gilles-Alexander is not taking any nights off. But our attention is always so focused on the old guys and the top guys that we don't let anyone else shine. I think when LeBron retires, it has to be good for the league.